2020 changed the trajectory of my life forever. I was 24, succeeding in a job that offered huge financial reward, yet I was unhappy and unfulfilled. My chronic illness, cystic fibrosis, had caused my lungs to bleed and it left me in a hospital bed. Now I left that job and created this podcast and I left that hospital bed to run marathons and prove that we aren't defined by our circumstances, but rather how we respond to them. On this show, we discuss the adversity that my guests and I face and how we overcome that adversity. This is a lot to talk about. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. And of course, you can call me Brad. I'm very excited to be here today, to be here with someone who is an inspiration within the speaking world for me, someone who I want to learn from, who I know we're all going to learn from today. She's an author. She's a world champion fighter. We'll get into that a little bit later. She is someone who is out there in the world doing good, living a life on purpose, We're talking keynote speaker, cancer survivor, regular podcast guest and mindset coach. Ladies and gentlemen, from your home, your car, or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Mrs. Nadine Champion. How are you, Nadine? Well, my hair's a little blown back by that intro. I didn't even think that was me, but okay, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you deserve that intro. And let me tell you, with a surname like Champion, it's very fitting. Um, You're a champion, not just in the fighting world, but for me in the world, in the, in the game of life, right? You face so much. And I guess a big part of what we're going to talk about today is adversity, courage, resilience, these traits, these attributes that can and should be developed, things that should be often thought about and often focused on as, as human beings, as we look to move through a world that is full of adversity and full of challenge, a world in which you actually have to acquire some pretty tough skin and, and, you know, some real resilience to get through the challenges that you're going to overcome challenges that we often seem to think as human beings that aren't going to be our challenges, right? Well, that's a challenge that someone else is facing, but I will never face that challenge because, you know, I'm pretty lucky. I've breezed through life up until this point, but it's often not the case. I want you to share a little bit of, of your story with us here today. So we can start to understand, you know, for myself as the host and for the audience, about exactly who you are and why this has become a really important part of your life mission to share these inspiring and and very important messages. I think you're spot on there. That that little piece that you mentioned around people don't think that's going to be their story. Those aren't my challenges. I have these challenges. But, you know, the crazy thing is that I don't know too many psychic people, do you? No. You know, we can't see around the corner. We don't know what's coming. And I was just sharing this the other day with someone. When I go in and speak publicly, I feel like I'm loading people up, like picture Batman with a utility belt. Like I'm just putting all of these tools in their utility belt, whether they think they want them or need them or not. Even if they think, ah, that's not for me, but that was a nice story. You wouldn't believe the amount of Instagram messages I've gotten, emails I've gotten saying, I just heard you speak the other day and I didn't think that, you know, it it was as relevant to me, but then this happened. The next day I got retrenched. Then my partner wanted a divorce. I got sick. My parents got sick, whatever it was, you know, and they straight away, because it was so recent, shoot back to, oh, what did she say again? You know, so it's easy if you're going through something and you go, like, oh, perfect. Thank you. I needed that. That's great. But, you know, it's amazing. I make it part of my mission. You know, it's amazing that people sometimes get exactly what they don't think they need at the exact moment that they do need it because they couldn't see around the corner. Yeah, it's, it's so true, isn't it? I think it's it's easy for us to think that in life we don't get the challenges we don't look for. We don't get the challenges that we don't willingly enter, but there's Mm -hmm. a Tony Robbins quote that I love. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Mm -hmm. And I think when you, when you love anything in life or you hold anything dear or value anything in life, then you're susceptible to pain. You know, part of the human experience is pain, Mm. you know, and how much of it do we create for ourselves? A whole damn lot. Yeah. And it's so simple. Like I I mentioned to you just before we we hit record, I was mentioning to you, I was looking for whales this morning. I went with one of my students, we went running in a national park and, you know, we're, we're starting the day off, we're training, it's good, we're connecting. And, you know, yesterday I went and did that by myself. 
and I was just very aware, very connected to my thoughts, very aware of where things were taking me. And I saw, had my headphones in, listening to a podcast, off I go, living my normal life as we do every day. And I'm, I'm changing my thinking at the moment. I'm changing my focus. So I took my headphones out and told myself, connect, like connect, be in the moment connect to where you are, connect to what you're seeing. And another thing that I'm working on right now is just recognizing the magic, the magic I have, the magic you have, the magic that's all around us. And when we're looking at the ground, thinking about our to-do list, listening to a podcast, looking for our keys in our pocket all at the same time, we're not connected. So as soon as I said, you know, connect to the magic, I look up, there's whales. Within an instant, I was like, thank you, universe. Like, obviously, that's my reward be connected and then I went a little deeper down into the cliffs and there's whales even closer and then I see dolphins and this is my point human nature as soon as I've seen them I want to see them again where are they where did they go and all of a sudden I've let go of the joy of it and I'm starting to focus on the lack what don't I have where did they go are they going to come back am I going to see the dolphins again and I'm looking 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 and I'm like stop it stop creating pain and just reset on the joy in other words and you mentioned before our, our loved ones it's so natural to hold things too tightly hold your career hold your loved ones hold the the beautiful thing that just happened too tightly and then we create pain around it because ah oh, now I'm I'm missing the whales instead of just walking away going that was brilliant so I I had to just smile at it and turn around and walk away going I'm so lucky I saw them and to stop myself from looking back over my shoulder to see them again. I'm, I'm so glad you're saying this, Nadine, because I had a very similar experience to you yesterday by the sounds. I woke up and as I do most mornings, I'm, I'm an avid runner. I love my running. And, you know, we live here on the coast in Wollongong, my partner and I. So I set out for a morning run. And um, one of the, the rare occasions where I set out for a run by myself. And, you know, usually I'm, I'm with my partner or I've got some mates, but there's usually one day a week where I'll go, I'm going to go out and go for a run by myself. And I'm not a headphone or a music guy. I like to just relax, partly because I feel like the music makes me feel like I'm having a heart attack if the, the BPMs are too high. But, you know, I was just out running along the beach and I finished my run and actually bumped into my partner. She was on her walk. And I said, I'm just about to go jump in the ocean. Do you want to walk down with me? So we walked down together. And so I ran out into the water. I jumped under the wave. And as I popped my head up 10 meters in front of me, three dolphins. And I love mm, dolphins. Me too. And they're moving through the water. And I just caught a glimpse of them coming up through the water. And then they were gone. I didn't see them again. And, you know, later on in the day, I had well, a little bit later that morning, I should say, I had a meeting and that meeting felt stressful because it was a big decision I had to make. It's a decision that will likely impact at least the next 12 months of my life. And so, you know, as I went into that meeting, I felt good because I'd had this incredible morning and I felt charged. I'd had my coffee. I'd been for my run, my swim, had brekkie with my partner and, as I left that meeting, I started to feel that little bit of stress coming in, right? That like, I have to make a decision at some point and this decision could negatively or positively impact my next year. I don't know until I'm in it, right? Mm. And I found myself in the afternoon getting a little bit frustrated by that. And I had to go back and remind myself that I'd had this beautiful moment, morning and it was my expectation of what could go wrong, what might go right, just this expectation that I can't guarantee that feels so uncertain that was allowing me to feel so negatively or to feel so much pain around this decision I had to make. Then I also had to remind myself that I don't have to make this decision. I get to make this decision mm -hmm. because there are plenty of people who would absolutely love the opportunity to be sitting in the meeting that I was sitting in that morning. And so I think often in life, we we need to somewhat have a little bit of perspective around how lucky we are to be living and breathing in the first place. But I wonder, and this is a question that I, I didn't think we'd maybe even cover in the course of this interview, but you spoke about seeing the beauty or the magic in the moment and then allowing it to be a moment that was and to move forward and to be in the present again. Do you think we find it hard to do that? Because so often we like to catch that moment on the camera and we like to go back and reminisce on that moment. And we like to live so often in the past, whether mm. it be positively or negatively, that we really struggle to live in the moment that is. And because of that, all of the pain that comes with those past moments or comes with that expectation that we've built from the past, do you think that our inability to live presently is causing so much of this pain in life? 
Yeah, so what I'm hearing you describe is to my ear, you know, thinking about that meeting is fear and gratitude. I, those are my words, not judging you or or trying to put it onto you. But, you know, I do so much work on courage, which means I've had to do so much work on fear. And I've earned the right to talk about courage because I have a lot of fear. Mm. We all do. It's just, it's almost a dirty word though, Brad. Like people don't talk about, well, what are you afraid of? What are you scared is going to happen in this meeting? What are you afraid about for the future? You know, but we do, we project, I um, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think it's 40 to 60% of our time is spent in the past and the and the future. You know, we're, we're rarely in the present. You know, it's a, it's a minority. So. Was it Seneca that said we often suffer more in imagination than we do in reality? True. There's a 2010 study that said our inner experiences dwarf our outer experiences. And for me, that's true. You know, what, yeah. what happens in our head seems so much more real sometimes than what happens externally. And, you know, my teacher in martial arts, you know, I'm a martial arts teacher, but my teacher taught me that 90% of our fear is imagined. Mm. And, then I, and then he was like, now go and test the theory, find out. Come back to me in a year, come back to me in 10 years and tell me, is it true? And, and what were your results? Things, some of the things that we're afraid of never happen. Mm. I don't know about you, but um, I haven't I haven't uh, been eaten by a shark, not once. But the amount of times I've been worried about it, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know? But sharks never tried to get me. So it's, it's funny you say that because one of my best mates, um, a, a guy that I mentioned off um, off record before, Brett Canellan, he's a speaker, and he was attacked by a bull shark lost mm. a part of his leg. And it's funny. I, I often say to Brett, Brett's still an avid surfer. And I say, how do you have the courage to enter the water again? Mm. And Brett always says to me, well, it's a one in 3.6 million chance that I get attacked by a shark. What's the chance of it happening again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's that fear that we build up that even if you're one of those, what you would quote, unlucky people, um, you know, he's so grateful for it. He's learned so much from, it. and obviously there are people who have, died at the hands of nature but that's the world we live in and if you live in fear like for him I can imagine that his worst nightmare would just be never surfing again and so I love what you say okay. there you know it's, we all have things that are worth fighting for to us and if and so much of it is often love what do mm. you love who do you love you know what would you be willing to do because if the if the emotion to want to do it isn't as strong as the fear you'll believe the fear yeah, if that the emotion really that's well pushing put. you into it isn't strong, you'll just opt out to the fear. So, you know, um, a friend of mine is a an amazing neuroscientist. She was talking to me the other day about 73% of our thoughts are negative. We have about 70,000 thoughts a day. That is a lot. It's Would you hang out with that friend who's always like, oh, you might die if you go over there. Oh, don't go in the water. Something bad might happen. Put that down. Don't go for that job. Definitely don't talk to that person at the cafe. But that's what we're telling ourselves all day. And so much of it is fear-based. Mm. And, you know, even though the, the more I talk about courage, the more aware I am of my fear. Well, would you say it's a, Yeah. And would you say it's a common misconception that people, and I guess you'd get this because you're in the world and, you know, you've got the book behind you, 10 Seconds of Courage, in which you've written. And, you know, it's a big part of what you talk about on stage. Is there a common misconception though, that when someone comes to hear you speak or when someone interviews you on a podcast or has a face-to-face -face or connection or conversation with you, that they think you live in a world where fear doesn't exist for you anymore? Absolutely. So hear what I said again, I've earned the right to talk about courage. I know so much about fear and I've had people challenge me. Well, who are you to say that? Didn't you do this wrong? Didn't you not, well, you weren't brave then? I'm like, absolutely. That's how I earned the right. Who am I to go and tell you about courage? Mm. Yes, I've done some things that people would say are brave. I've done some things that I recognize took courage for me. Um, you know, fighting in the ring. I, I remember being younger and thinking, I would never do that. No way. You know, and then I ended up doing it. Speaking on stage. So many people are afraid of public speaking. I did that you know, surviving a, an illness, cancer treatment. I did that. You know, there's so many things that I can recognize in myself and feel proud of. Yes, that took me some courage. It's not ego. Everybody has courage. And it's not, often not till I sit down with them and talk to them about, tell me your bravest moment. 
tell me a moment you feel really proud of. And then we go a little deeper. And often that moment is because they took a risk. Mm. I had, I took a risk to try something, to do something, to say something. And it creates a real satisfaction within that's often I feel proud of myself, you know, so. Well, we can sometimes forget that we all have those moments, right? We all have those moments of courage. And I remember speaking with um, a guy who I've learned a lot from Navy SEAL, Rich Davini. And Rich said to me, he said, Brad, you, you know, I, I shared with Rich a little bit of a vulnerable moment where I said, I feel like I courageously show up in some areas of my life in which I believe I have control over the end result. I said, and then there's other areas of my life where I feel so out of control and I feel as though fear overrides my courage. And he said, well, you fooled yourself to think that you have control over any outcome in your life. He said, you only have control of your action. He said, so I would argue that you display courage daily without giving it the recognition. And so we spoke about, well, courage is an attribute and you know, courage can be developed. We have it, but it should be developed. It should be um, something we focus on developing consistently. And it made me think about how unique courage is because a lot of the attributes in which we display and develop in life are things that we we start off at, at a, almost a base foundational level and we develop it throughout the course of our life based off our experience, based off our actions. But courage is this funny thing because when you were born, you almost start with a higher level of courage then you operate a lot of your life with, because you think about a child, the courage to, to get up and try to walk and fall down and get up again and continue to show up for yourself to, to challenge yourself and face your fears is it's so innate. It's so a part of who we are as children. But then as we move through life, we allow this misconception that failure is a bad thing. This misconception conception that fear is to be avoided. We allow those two things to brand us in a way that stops us from displaying courage or makes us feel as though we aren't courageous. So what do you, mm. what would you say, what's your advice for people who feel as though fear is controlling and overrunning their life, that fear is almost a brick wall that they feel they can't run through. What's some of those first things you can do to start to develop that relationship with courage and develop that strength to, to fight through fear? I've been doing a, a spontaneous survey when I speak for many years and just asking people. Uh, so part of how we, I'm known for uh, an idea that my sensei taught me called change your thinking, which is changing our response to things. And in that part of how we change our thinking is a thing called I am concept. So it's being able to say who you are very clearly, mm. you know, so having, I've been saying who here would say, I am courageous, put your hand up. And it's such an awkward thing for people to do. I believe the simplest explanation is we live in Australia. We have a tall poppy culture here. Uh, so it's not something that you would, if you're in, in downtown LA, you know, who here is good looking and, and rich and famous and courageous and all these hands would go, me, 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 me. I'm joking. But, you know, the, the idea is, is it okay to say you have courage? Because people think it's, reserved for Navy SEALs. Mm. People think it's reserved for other people, but I try to help people recognize first and foremost, you have so much courage. And it's, they almost look at me like, do I? And it's when you ask good questions and tell me things, tell me this, tell me that, but also a challenge. So I'm a, I have a fighting spirit. So every now and again, I gently challenge people verbally, not physically, but I'll challenge them and say, make a decision. Do you have courage or not today, right now? Choose. And I'm, I would challenge your listeners, choose. Are you someone who has courage or do you have a belief through your perspective on your experiences in life, which can be changed? Have you learned that you don't have courage? And is that true? Or do you actually have plenty of courage? Because you're still here. You're still trying to do better. So First and foremost is recognize, recognize your courage. And I do exercises with people. I'm a mindset coach. You know, we're getting them to write out, prove it to me. Show me the evidence of your courage. I believe you, but show me. Let's go deeper. Let's build it up so it's a real tangible thing that you can see and touch that's outside of those 70,000 thoughts a day because a lot of noise up there in your head. So let's put it down on paper. Once you recognize your courage, 
let's also recognize your fear. We all have both. We just don't talk about it very much. Mm. Well, I do. Maybe you do, but you know, it's okay to have fear. I have plenty of it. So if people position me as in inverted commas, a brave person or a strong person, a strong woman, then I want to be the first one to go. Yes. But when I walked out to the ring in that dressing room, of course, I was afraid. Would you like to know all the things I was afraid that were going to happen to my body? Would you like to know all of the things that I was afraid that I was going to have to live with in my mind and my heart? So I had plenty of fear. I did it anyway. But it's, you know, if you look at it skin deep, people would just see, ah, she's not afraid. Hmm. She's brave. She's not like me. I would be too scared to do that. But what scares me doesn't scare you and vice versa. We're all afraid of different things. And when it comes to really going deep with fear, I want to share with you um, a thing called the feararchy. So Dr. Carl Albrecht, PhD, created uh, a list of the five fears that most humans share. So this is very, very festive, very chipper. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so most humans are afraid of dying. They're afraid of mutilation. They're afraid of loss of autonomy and separation, which means loss of loved ones. So those four things, very common fears. So will I go bungee jumping? Will I go scuba diving? Will I go, mm, maybe not, my body might get hurt. Or, you know, maybe I don't want to do that because if something bad happened, I couldn't look after myself, loss of autonomy. Um, you know, my, my wife right now is talking about changing careers and one of the careers is a little dangerous. So my fear comes up, of course, I want to be the supportive partner and you're amazing. You can do anything and yay, go team pep talk. But of course I have a little, Ooh, are you sure you want to do that? What if something happened to you? And then I go, go into my own fear spiral of what would life look like if something happened to you? Ah! down we go you know bye I'll see you in five minutes when I've gone through the most horror show of what could happen in my own brain we create it for ourselves you know so the number the fifth one on the feararchy of those 90% imagined fears that often don't come true is a thing called ego death and this is the one that we all have heaps of experience with not too much experience with the other four hopefully but we all have a lot of experience with the fifth one and that is the thing that will change the course of our lives that makes us play small, that makes us think that we don't have courage because it's a daily chipping away, death by a thousand cuts. Ego death is nobody likes to be rejected, nobody likes to fail publicly and nobody likes to be embarrassed. So will I go for that new job? Will I ask that person out? Will I say, do you want to be my friend and go for coffee? Will I say, I'm going to, I'm going to try and, and do a speech for these people? The tiniest little thing, will I smile at the person who sits beside me on the bus in my morning commute or will I just look at my phone? Mm. Tiny things right through to big things that change our experience of our life. We're afraid of being rejected, so we stay in our own little bubble. We're afraid of being embarrassed, so we stick to the things that we're good at or we set the goals we know we can achieve. A lot of people are afraid of failing, so they don't try. And that changes the course of their lives. Such powerful words that you're speaking there, Nadine, because I feel as though it's so relatable for everyone, what you're saying here, because we can all relate to that fear of ego death in our own lives. Like you said, a big one for a lot of people is recognizing someone who you might be attracted to because you think that their values align with yours or or, you know, like the, the kind of person that I want to get to know or take on a date or ask to go for a coffee or ask for their number, but you don't. And then you're spent, you, you almost have to spend the next phase of your life until you get the next opportunity going, what could have been. And for me, that is crushing. That's a crushing feeling for people to come to terms with and to have to live with. And it's almost this thing that I've, I've heard, um, I believe it's Chris Williamson talk about it a number of times around undeniable proof and developing a level of undeniable proof that you are who you say you are and that you can act courageously and that you are resilient. And how do you do that? Well, you do that backing yourself with action. You do that by going out into the world and exhibiting these things that you're teaching. And for me, over the course of the last couple of years, I've displayed courage and action in certain areas of my life that have allowed me to feel super competent in that area. But I found that I, I sometimes struggle with taking courage in one area of my life and applying it to another area 
because it's almost like you can just fool yourself to think that oh, well, I'm really, really courageous. And I continually show up in the face of fear and act anyways, because in my work, I continue to attack challenges head on. But then when it comes to relationships, you can be, no, I'm just going to go be courageous over in my work again, because mm-hmm. this is a little too scary. Mm-hmm. I'm so lucky that I, I made a conscious decision last year when I, I met my partner to courageously move forward in our relationship because for me it's been the greatest gift I could have ever received in life having someone to love and someone who loves me but I find that we often have this reluctancy to display the courage that we've developed in one area of our life in the others why do you think that is is that just related back to those fears or or is that just us trying to be maybe a little bit complacent or or not trying to be complacent but being complacent that courage doesn't have to exist in excuse me, all areas of our life. We're human. Just because I'm brave over here doesn't mean I'm going to be brave over there. Just because I'm brave one day, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. But tomorrow I feel a little insecure and "Ah, I don't want to, you know, (laughs) it's part of being human. So Mm. I think it would be a terrible trap. And I, I deliberately am very conscious of this to have to be courageous in every area every Mm. day for the rest of your life. I'm known for 10 seconds of courage, not 10 years of courage. You know, it's, it's just about in this moment, in the next 10 seconds, can I do the braver thing? Can I stretch myself? Can I grow? Can I do something a little out of my comfort zone? Can I do something I couldn't do yesterday? Mm. It's not about I am brave in every situation because that is a trap because it's not possible, you know, because sometimes you find out, you know, your friend said the undeniable truth. We talk about stepping in the ring to find out, I call it the unequivocal truth. Sometimes what you find out when you get in the ring metaphorically in your life, you might go for that job interview. You might ask that person out and you might get a no. Mm. Does that mean it was a mistake? Does that mean, oh, and what we tend to do, we have, you know, tender little hearts. I really wanted the job. I didn't get the job. Now my feelings are hurt, which is just human. Doesn't matter how much ego people put over the top of it. You put your, you want something with your whole heart, you risk your whole heart. If you don't get it, of course, you're going to feel the feelings that come with not getting it. If you didn't really want it and you didn't get it, who cares? Mm. But that's not courage. That's, eh, I'm not going to open myself up too much. You know, so that's that's keeping you safe, yourself safe, which is often fear-based anyway. But you really go for it. You really put yourself out there. Sometimes you'll find out, I came up short. I have more work to do. This wasn't right for me. But instead of my feelings are hurt, I won't ever try again. My feelings are hurt. What's the lesson? Yeah, that that's that perspective piece. Go well. Yeah, like what, what can I take from it? Because... You're going to be brave sometimes and get the payoff and it's wonderful. You're going to be brave sometimes and get a lesson instead, you know, mm. and that's okay. And, you know, one of the interesting lessons I th- I found out when I was younger, you know, using this metaphor of asking people out, my, um, my brother married a Miss Universe and, you know, yay for him. But <laughs> here's the thing. She said that nobody ever used to ask her out. It's a common story you hear, isn't it? That there is almost a level of pain for the people in that position because everyone has a level of fear around approaching them. We often set goals that we think we can achieve. So, you know, if you see a Miss Universe, I mean, it's it's more important what's on the inside than the outside. Let's be super clear. But it's all social capital. You know, so if if you're a good looking person, you have social capital. If you're uh, well educated, if you're, um, you know, very good at expressing yourself, if you're ABCD, there are all these different things that give us social capital. But, you know, if there's someone there who has a lot of social capital and someone there who has half as much, so many people will take the safe option because you're more likely to succeed, which means you're more likely to avoid failure, which means that. You'll avoid ego death and our brains are hardwired to keep us safe from pain, discomfort, Mm. you know, especially our brains are also created to think short-term. I want short-term comfort, even though long-term, I'm not going to get what I want. How do we know? 
we're one of the drunkest, most in-debt, drug-using countries in the world. <laughs> yeah, Australia, I love you all. But, you know, we do a lot of things to numb. Why are sure. we numbing? Because life can hurt sometimes. You might get a black eye. But do you take it as I'm never going to step into the ring again? Or do you take it as I need to bob and weave? I need to move a little differently. And, you know, like I said in the beginning, if you if I load people up with these tools in their utility belt, when the moment arrives and you have that natural fear or that natural doubt, hopefully you'll reach for the tool. Um, you know, and a great example, one of my one of my uh, top students, Sensei James, he lives in Ireland and he used to be in Australia. He used to fight over here and he was moving back to Ireland, walking through an airport overseas. And uh, he sees what what he says, beautiful Mexican woman. She looked very, very like he thought she was the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. He walked straight past her. And then he heard my voice in his head, 10 seconds of courage. <laughs> and he had a choice. And, you know, in that moment, it's just a person in an airport. But to his credit, he turned around. He walked back over to her, facing that fear of what if she thinks I'm a weirdo? You know, <laughs> what if she doesn't want to talk to me? He introduced himself. They started talking. Now they're married with two kids. Yeah, wow. You know, so that little moment of courage, you don't think you're ever going to need it until your Miss Universe is sitting in an airport, until you meet someone and they offer you an opportunity and maybe you don't even realise, this is how I got into, into public speaking, you don't even realise the person that you're having a coffee with is offering you a life-changing opportunity. And if, mm. you, if I'd responded differently when they said to me, would you ever think about doing a TEDx talk? this is someone I didn't know in a speaking context. I knew them in a different context. I was like, oh, I suppose so. Not realizing that that sentence changed my future incredibly, completely changed the course of my life, the, the trajectory of my life. And this is what I try to talk to people about so much with courage that it's not always the moments that you know, there's trumpets going off, there's a neon sign and someone's standing there with a bag of money going, come here, Brad, this is going to be a life-changing moment for you. You know, it's sometimes the, the moment is so subtle and often it, it happens in a conversation that we have with ourselves about who we are and what we're worth, what we're capable of. What you said there feels very relevant about who we are and what we're capable of. And it's very present to me that a lot of people think they aren't capable of doing great things. They think that lives of incredible purpose, lives of incredible meaning are reserved for people who are A-list celebrities, sporting stars, rock stars, you know, authors, or the, you know, the motivational speakers who get on a TEDx stage, but it's so not the case. And, you know, I think, I think for a lot of people that there's this pain in feeling that they're not capable of, of living a life that is, truly by their standards great and because of that they almost feel stuck in the mud they feel as though they're stuck on this path or in this lane that is their lane to travel on for the rest of their life and that lane doesn't veer it doesn't pivot it, it never turns it never takes alternate routes and because of that they feel as though they're stuck you know you talk about that really significant moment in your life in which you had to display that 10 seconds of courage to say yeah, I suppose so. That's become a huge part of who you are. It's like you're one of the biggest speakers in Australia now. So that little moment that would have felt like maybe a pivot at the time, something that was completely outside of the realm of what you'd expected your life to look like can be so significant. So how do we get people out of that space in which they're stuck in this is my lane and there is nothing else for me? 10 seconds of courage. I know I talk about it a lot, but it's it's changed my life so many times in so many significant ways. The difference is I had a framework to look at it through when it was happening. The way that I explain it, Brad, is, you know, we using this metaphor of stepping out of out of the dressing room and into the ring in life. The dressing room room is your comfort zone. So imagine you and I are in the dressing room. Our hopes and dreams are out in the ring. They haven't come true yet. We're going to walk out there soon if we have the courage to walk out there and find out the unequivocal truth about who we are, what we're worth, what we're capable of, if our dreams are going to come true. That moment of truth is just around the corner. Mm. But before that, we're in our dressing room and it's comfy in here. The temperature's just right. We have snacks and drinks, some music on. 
Maybe I'm having my fear. I'm having my self-doubt. I'm having my uncertainty. Maybe I don't feel, you know, the match I had three months ago, I felt really confident. Maybe today, a few things happened in life lately. I don't feel so confident. One morning I was competing, I woke up sick. What do you do? You know, this is where we stay stuck. When they call your name and they go, you're up next. And I explained it like they tape you into your boxing gloves and they smear Vaseline on your face and they push you to the door. And you, now you can see everyone outside the dressing room, all eyes on you. There's all these people staring at you and the lights hit you and your music starts playing and you're meant to start working, walking out and your heart starts pounding and you start shaking, your mouth goes dry, you're sweating. In that moment, it's natural to want to run. Yeah. I, I don't want to walk out there. I wanted my dream to come true, but stuff that I'd rather stay in here where it's safe and comfortable. This is such a big part of how we stay stuck. When the moment arrives, it's scary. It doesn't feel good in my body. And we misinterpret that as I'm not good enough, brave enough, strong enough, cool enough, tough enough, good looking enough, rich enough. The 50,000 I'm not enoughs. Maybe I'll just stay here. Mm. The difference is, if there was, you know, literally a dressing room and, you know, a million dollars out in the ring, sure, you would know there's a real reason to walk out. But when it's just a conversation that you're having with you about what you're going to do today, what you're going to do at work, who you're going to spend time with, we don't necessarily see it as here's your opportunity to get unstuck. Here's your opportunity Try a little something here, speak to that person. And the next thing you know, like we said, you're not psychic. You can't see around the corner about what's going to happen next. For me, it was really important to have someone in my life, a mentor. You know, my mentor was uh, Sensei Benny. So he's my teacher, Benny the Jet Yukides, famous fighter, martial artist. When I was in my very early 20s, when I met him, you know, he's, he's a famous guy. I'm not really into famous people. I used to be bodyguard that made me a good bodyguard. I wasn't that thrilled to meet you. Um, yeah. You know, I wasn't interested in him being famous, but I knew he was. He'd been in all Hollywood movies. He's a world champion fighter. He sat me down one day and he detailed, just privately, the two of us, he detailed, I've done this, I've done that, I've done that, things I didn't even know he'd done. And then he looked at me and he said, why not you? But the difference was he expected me to then explain myself. You tell me, 22-year-old young woman, why you can't be in Hollywood movies. You tell me why you can't be a world champion in the ring. You tell me why you can't be a black belt, why you can't A, B, C, D, E. Literally explain it to me. And what came out my mouth when I was forced to answer him was all those fears, all that stuff that sounds ridiculous when you actually say it out loud, but when it's in our own brains, it sounds true and that's what keeps us stuck that's such a beautiful answer and and i love there's a few things that i really picked up on there exactly what you said there at the end and i've been a massive believer in my whole life the first lesson i ever learned the greatest lesson i could have ever learned from my parents that what you believe is what you become and mm -hmm. that belief that they had for me the belief that my life was going to be incredible despite the diagnosis and the prognosis that my life would end in my early teens, that cystic fibrosis would ruin my life. They chose not to believe that. They chose to believe that I was going to be capable of incredible things. And so they acted accordingly and I've acted accordingly in my life. And it's led me to be in a very healthy, amazing place. So I think that belief is super important for people, but there's a quote that stands out for me, a Denzel Washington quote, ease is the greatest a threat to progress and hardship ever will be. We talk about that comfort zone, right? And you talk about sitting in the dressing shed and then getting your name called out. Well, I think people think of courage, as you said, in just those big moments in the courage to step in the ring at the world championship fight. But the truth of the matter is that 10 seconds of courage starts with getting out of bed in the morning and getting into the gym for your first ever session in the martial arts space. And I think we often maybe don't understand or appreciate the value of the little things we do daily, as you said, to develop that courage, to act with that courage. You know, I'm finding it really common in, in modern society where we have the ease, the comfort of things being at our fingertips. 
that we live in a world where people are choosing not to challenge themselves. They're choosing to be comfortable. They're choosing to take the easier route, you know, to order the Uber Eats all the time instead of just getting up and cooking dinner, to not go for a run because it's a little bit cold and windy or wet outside instead of going out and, you know, doing the harder 10K and knowing that you're better for it. It feels as though as human beings, we need to start choosing hardship a little more often and understanding the lessons that are learned in hardship. What are the things that you do every day that form a part of your routine, your life, your rituals that give you that sense of resilience, allow you to develop resilience and to display courage? Great question. So there's a big difference between uh, in martial arts, what we call the internal and the external. So the external are the physical things that you do that look like martial arts, Mm. Um, you know, and that's in everyone's lives. Like you said, I got up, I went for a run, I went for a swim, I had breakfast with my partner. All of those are your external. They're very important, but also the internal. That's the mental, emotional aspect of how you set yourself up for the day what you tell yourself, like I said, that study, our inner experiences dwarf our outer experiences. If you're waking up in the morning and telling yourself, I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me. I'm going to go for a run because no one will go with me. My body, it's out of shape. I can't run as fast as I used to. I'm getting old. Uh, It's a nice day, but kind of stinks around here. Like Whatever it is, all the negative thinking, you know, all those things, I, I feel down just saying all that stuff out loud because that becomes your experience. So mm. I set myself up every morning, you know, one of the main things since Ebeni taught me to do and having faced an illness, I didn't realize the first 17 years I was doing it, how important it was and that he was putting something in my utility belt because one day I was going to need it. Is to start the day by saying thank you. Very first thing, thank you, out loud. I did it to the to the ocean and the whales this morning. Thank you, I'm here. I didn't understand till I nearly died how important it was to be grateful and aware that I woke up this morning, you woke up this morning, we get to talk, how amazing. I have two arms, two legs, I got to go for a run this morning. My little legs carried me. I didn't run fast, but I ran. You know, and I, I live in a place, we're so privileged, we're safe here, it's beautiful here amazing so it's just being conscious so i do we i call it the daily five it's a five piece morning mental setup uh you know i start with with gratitude then i focus on courage so every day how do you get more courage every day i i decide it before i've done anything else i decide it today i'm going to have courage i'm going to do today what i couldn't do yesterday third one is i forgive i don't want to bring a whole bunch of stuff with me life is hard enough i don't want to carry it with me so i forgive myself then I forgive everybody else. So self first, then others. Fourth one is clear sight. I want to see the good in me. I want to see the good in you. I want to see the good in the world around me because that counterbalances the 73% negative thinking. And the last one is to have impeccable intentions. So I'm not going to, I'm going to do everything I can to be a good person to myself and others today and not be a jerk. No matter how much you frustrate me, I'm going to do my best to not honk my horn at you and just let you drive slow. You can go first, please turn in front of me so that I'm controlling my experience and my energy. And, you know, this is all belief system. So why not you? If you think I can't do that, I can't feel like that, I can't be like that, then you're right because you won't give yourself the opportunity. You said before something that I say is about 20 minutes ago, you said you are who you say you are, Hmm. you know, and I 100% believe that you have to be very careful who you tell yourself you are. And because this is your version of life, your perception of it, you know, if you're telling yourself all day things I wouldn't say to you, I'm going to have a very different day than if I'm telling myself the things that I would say to the person I love most in the world. You know, so we have to be so careful what we feed ourselves mentally every day. Yeah, so beautifully said. I absolutely love that message. And quite often when we take ourselves out of our own head and think, would I say that to the person I love? Would I say that to my sibling, to my parents, to my partner, to my friends, that you're not capable of achieving what you want to achieve or, you know, you'll never do anything worth doing in life. That is so debilitating to hear. 
but we say it in our own head every day. Well, so many people do. And I realized that my life got a whole lot easier when I got out of my own head and, and stopped beating myself up about the things that I felt insecure about. Stop beating myself up and comparing myself to other people whose chapter tens, um, you know, really I'm in my chapter one, like I'm starting to step into the speaking space and why don't I have a many, as many bookings as Nadine? Because this is your chapter one, mate. So yeah. show up and, and do good with the opportunities that you get. It's, it's very much a, you know, I always say that the three things I try to control on a daily basis is what I believe, the perspective I choose to have and the way in which I act. And, you know, they feel like the three things I can, can, can truly control on very a nice. daily basis. I have to ask you, Nadine, to mm. sort of finish off today's interview. You, you've alluded to it a, a few times, but we haven't gone there. You spoke about coming face to face with likely the hardest opponent you've ever had to face in your life in cancer. What's the hardest lesson you learned throughout the course of that battle? Things change, you know, nothing lasts forever. So, you know, even it's so easy to look back and go, this changed my life. If I was having a really negative headspace, I could say it ruined my life. Look who I used to be. Look how I used to be. Look what I used to be able to do. And then this happened and it was so unfair. I can't live like that personally, you know, in my, in my saddest moments about it, if I'm in, in tears, you know, once a year when I'm working out and I can't do what I want to do, that's when the emotion comes out. It's not fair. What happened to you? Not fair. But you and I are both very actively choosing to change our thinking, to not get stuck mm. in that thinking. I always say to people, if you don't like it, you must change it. You have a choice in how you feel about it. You can change the meaning of the message. You can change the meaning of the experience, even when it was a really hard experience. So for me, it was a hard lesson, but I don't tell the sad story to myself or other people very often. Like I said, maybe once a year I'll go there, but did it change my life? Yes, very significantly, but also not. I'm still me. I'm just different angle of me, you know, and what is important to me and what I see and how I see is, is different now. So the story I tell myself is now I'm wide awake. I am paying attention. You know, if I'm going to spend time with you, I'm spending time with you. I'm connecting to you. I want to know you. I'm not just drifting around talking about nothing. You know, I'm wide awake. I'm paying attention and things change. What you have today, you've got to be grateful that you have it because mm. it might change. Anything and anyone can be taken from us. Things about ourselves can be taken from us. And you can see that as a terrible, sad story, or you can look at it as, look how lucky I am today. You know, it's a brilliant thing. I can do this. I can be in this moment and connect to you. I can have some lunch later. Amazing. Like, how good is that? If you've ever gone hungry, you know, that's pretty incredible. I've got a glass of fresh water sitting in front of me right now. So I choose to focus on uh, the things that make me better, stronger, happier. Like we said, you are who you say you are. You tell yourself you're unlucky. You have to sit in that. You tell mm. yourself life's not fair. Everything's been taken from you. I don't want to swap, swap places with you because that sounds pretty painful. But if you tell yourself it hasn't been easy, but I learned some lessons from it and I use them to make my day better. I use them to make someone else's day better, you know, and I'm, that's why, why I speak, you know, I want to make sure that when the inevitable body shots that life deals are all of us, when they arrive, that, you know, someone's in your corner, that you have a few tools to use, maybe you've never used it before. You thought 10 seconds of courage was just a cheesy little saying or something. And then all of a sudden you're facing a moment where you think, oh my goodness, I, do I, can I step forward right now? Should I put my hand up for this? Or do I let the moment pass me by? And, you know, sometimes the the bravest thing we can do is just recognize, I don't think this this thinking is serving me. It's not making me happy. It's not making other people happy. I'm going to change the story that I'm telling myself. And you know, and change how I see things, change my perception. Because there's lots of hard things that happen to people in the world. But what you do with it is your responsibility. You can't control what happens. 
but you can control how you respond to it. And I, I, that takes work for me. That takes the daily work of courage to keep focusing on the bright side, keep wanting to connect, keep getting back up and, and trying again and again and again, because I want to have a good life. I want you to have a good life. And I want to recognize that you had the courage to put your hand up and want to share your story. You know, I believe there's a lot of power in vulnerability. There's a lot of power in being in other people's corner because you don't seem like the kind of person, like I'm not the kind of person who wants to get up and talk about themselves in front of an audience so no, that they'll clap a, for you. It's all about what it does for the people, right? Exactly. So in, I think that's a great way to, to be successful because whether you get booked once a year, once a decade or once a day, your intentions are good. You know, mm. my intention, sure, I do it for a living. That's not why I do it. You know, I know that everybody needs someone in their corner. I know that everybody's going to need a mental tool to get back up or to step outside their comfort zone at some stage, you know, let alone the big moments in life where we all need them. So I want everyone to recognize their power, but also keep it grounded, you know, so that they can step outside their comfort zone, try a little something different back themselves you know you've got to back yourself if you tell yourself you can't you probably can't you won't even try but if you have the courage in the moment that's right to you you might just change your life or someone else's isn't that a powerful way to finish an incredible conversation i have to say nadine that you've got a beautiful gift in storytelling sharing connecting and you have a beautiful message and that beautiful message has been heard loud and clear from this side of the screen today and i'm i'm hoping I'm praying that it's heard loud and clear from everyone who's tuned into this podcast, either listening in or watching on to this episode of a lot to talk about. Nadine Champion, you are in fact an absolute champion in life. You're a champion in, in sharing your message. And I'm going to make sure that everywhere people can connect with you and find you and, and continue to hear and, and share in that beautiful message that you have is within the show notes of today's episode. So thank you so much for being here connecting for a conversation i hope to god that we can connect on stage or somewhere in face-to-face -face, um, connection one day thank you so much thanks for having me brad it was great to talk to you cheers thank you so much for tuning into another episode of a lot to talk about it means the world that you guys are in my corner that you continue to listen to the show every week and if you could do me a massive favor by following the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it and sharing this episode in particular with just one friend that you feel would benefit from it. That would mean the world to me and it would help the show grow. The more the show grows, the bigger the guests we get on, the more that we can do and the more we can share and support you guys, the listeners, the viewers of the show. Before I go, I wanna pay my respects and recognize the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record this podcast. The Aboriginal culture has such a rich history in storytelling and as a passionate storyteller, I really hope that the stories we share and connect with on the show can allow the many cultures that now call this beautiful land Australia their home to come together and continue to respect the stories and the culture that make this the land it is today. Thank you so much for tuning into A Lot To Talk About. I'll catch you next week.